0: Hey everybody, I'm your host Kenny Flannery for the Freestyle Travel Show and this episode is going to be about ultralight packing, lightweight packing, getting your backpack small and cruising around with ease. But uh, first, let me catch you up to date with what's going on in life. I think the last episode I just got into Pokhara in Nepal and the real adventure began. So just a refresher for anyone who didn't didn't know maybe i didn't even mention the whole story a contest that I won with Sierra Nevada photo contest and the prize was a trip to i don't want to say anywhere but there was a bunch of choices from Galapagos to Washington state uh, Africa to nepal a bunch of other places so I chose a trip to nepal and Sierra Nevada covered the airfare everything so I've been using that to skip around eventually make it to nepal and It's been months and months, but finally got here and the 10-day trip began. So the last episode I had gotten to Pokhara and done the one day of rafting. Uh, I've got India Jane here reading a book, as I believe she was the last episode I recorded behind me. Uh, She's been joining me on this trip, and it turns out it's only the two of us. (laughs) I guess no one else chose this exact trip, so there's like a couple walking tours where there's other intersections with other trips, I guess, but. It's pretty crazy, crazy freaking experience. So, yeah, the last episode we had gone rafting. Uh, and since then, it's been maybe not quite a week. But that next day went paragliding for like 45 minutes all up around the lake. That was pretty insane. Went walking around the whole city. Next day, walked up to the sunrise spot. That was pretty chill, like a real nice or what they called a basic hotel, but pretty nice little spot looking over the whole city. Uh, went back down to poker. I went fucking bungee jumping, which is the most amazing feeling. That's, that's kind of the reason I, I chose the whole trip as uh, something I've always wanted to do is Such a cool feeling because I don't know how many of you have been bungee jumping like I've never really thought about it Like exactly the process, but it's cool that you're supposed to dive like they say if you don't dive and you just kind of jump off It's when you're gonna run into problems. So basically you're standing Far above the ground, I think we're only 70 meters only. I guess that's like a a baby bungee almost. But it's a cool feeling to know that you're standing there and then you can just jump and dive towards the Earth. And that eventually, theoretically, something is going to catch you and bounce you back up, which is what happened. It's such a cool feeling. Uh, Actually got someone to take a video of that. I think it's up on the Twitter page or something. You can give it a look if you care. It's not the same as jumping, but it was pretty fun. Uh, yes, yeah, so we did that more, chilling out and uh, cruising around. Eventually, we got down to uh, is it Chitwan? National Park, and yeah, rode some elephants. Stayed in a super swanky resort. Really cool, like breakfast and lunch and dinner. We haven't had to spend any money. Uh, just eating really, really well. Yeah, riding an elephant. It was kind of ridiculous seeing a, a rhinoceros rhino i'll say rhino <laughs> uh, you know a bunch of crocodiles canoeing around just just crazy it's been a, a crazy trip today finally after breakfast came back to Kathmandu. uh we're at the hotel we were at in the beginning so tonight's paid for tomorrow i guess we're meeting someone in the lobby and i don't know if they're going biking with us or just giving us a couple bicycles and stuff and Sending us on our way. Not sure how that's going to work. And then have one last big dinner, and then one more night in this hotel, and then, uh, yeah, the dream is over. This little thing that's, you know, on to the next thing. Maybe go uh, hiking up north from here. Maybe go check out my friend's farm for a couple days at some point. Try to cram in a bunch of good times before India. Um, yeah, not not sure how long I'll be in India. Depends how long I'm in Nepal. But get to that when we get to that. Uh, so anyways, this episode, like I said, is going to be about ultralight packing. And I'm going to be referencing an article a little bit. I actually recorded what you're about to hear yesterday. And I'm not sure if I mentioned the article or not. But if you go to hobolifestyle.com, I have a packing guide, ultralight packing guide for freestyle travel. So you can either look for it there, but I, if you just Google ultralight freestyle travel... It's got to be like the first result or or up there Toba lifestyle. So, yeah, just uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes, too. But. uh, Should be a bunch of good information and India Jane, who I'm traveling with, she's got a pretty big backpack at the moment, and it's kind of cool to see her throwing a bunch of stuff away (laughs) she got rid of a bunch of stuff today just took it down to a, a hostel and i kind of talk about that later just like how you can get a bunch of your stuff pile it up and get rid of it and it's a pretty good feeling to, to kind of let go so hope you enjoy this little segment ultralight packing. okay ultralight packing lightweight packing trying to keep things small so i'm going to talk about the different things that i carry uh What you might be able to carry and carry less than me. And who this is really for, which is freestyle travelers. And that's part of the whole definition of that is people that get around by any and all means, whether it's hitchhiking, hiking, taking buses, planes, staying in hotels, hostels, couch surfing, camping, all that kind of stuff. So there's a few things in here that might not apply to you if you're just purely couch surfing and staying in hostels, uh, particularly in the camping section. But uh, the rest of it should make sense, and even some things in there like the water filter will uh, make some sense to you. So I'm gonna talk about uh, different kind of categories of things you'll carry, which are clothes, toiletries, camping stuff, electronics, and then uh, just kind of odds and ends, and kind of the whole point of getting your backpack smaller and lighter is obviously it's just more comfortable to carry. But uh, tangibly, uh, the airport's one of the big ones. getting your bag to a small enough point where you don't have to check it is huge. Uh, It can be expensive to pay to check your bag. Uh, Also, you gotta wait for it at baggage claim at the end. One time I waited maybe just 20 or 30 minutes to get my bag, but in that time, the line for customs had grown by about two hours, so it really added a lot of time, and that was probably the last time I ever checked a bag, and hopefully I don't have to do it again. But also, if you get to a city, uh, it's nice to not have a heavy bag and not worry about where am I going to put this? Where am I going to stay, find someone to stash it with? If your bag's light enough, then you can just kind of cruise around and you're not even really thinking about it. So kind of the target weight for a bag is uh, if you can get it under 20 pounds, that, that's pretty good. Uh, if You can get it under like 15 pounds, then you're golden. That's around seven kilos, more or less and seven kilos is along with dimensions that'll basically get you on any airplane uh with just a carry-on you don't have to worry about checking it you know, some airlines are stricter than others uh, some only let you allow allow you with a personal item they'll still charge you for a carry-on uh, but uh you know you kind of gotta eat that one or be able to pull out the frame of your backpack and sometimes you can get it small enough to be a uh, personal item even but yeah that's kind of the, the target I would say shoot for 15 pounds obviously if you got food and water it makes a difference uh, I'm not talking about if you're you're hiking because if you hop on a plane you can just eat up all your food first that kind of thing so let me start with clothes because that's probably the thing that people bring way too much of uh, when they first start traveling and it's usually in the first month or three they realize that they don't need all the things that they've brought. So what I carry, about three t-shirts, one long sleeve shirt. I've got a, a fleece kind of hoodie. I've had uh, just regular, you know, cotton hoodies in the past. I've got a rain jacket. I've got a baseball hat, a beanie. And then I've got one pair of jeans, one pair of shorts, uh, three pairs of underwear, three pairs of socks, pair of long underwear, and then I've got my... Uh, keen Newport sandals I guess sports sandal I'll get into that in a second I'll start with the shirts uh yeah three seems to be the magic number for me I've you know I've had as much as five at times which is way too much you don't really need that and I've had as little as two for short periods of time and I think you can get away with two uh you just if they're both made out of merino wool and merino wool is kind of known for coming out of New Zealand but it comes from a lot of places and it's a fabric that dries pretty quickly and the main feature of merino wool is that it doesn't stink uh, at least not that quickly you can literally just be hiking with it all day for several days in a row and it won't stink like you might stink underneath but the the shirt itself uh, won't be too bad it's kind of the the best part about it and in hot weather it tends to kind of keep you cool and cool weather it's sort of the opposite Keeps you a little warm. It's just kind of like a magic fabric. Because of that, it's insanely expensive. Uh, some of the best t-shirts out there, like by well-known brands, I'd say Icebreakers, probably one of the most respected brands for merino, and their like kind of iconic t-shirt is usually around seventy dollars or something, which is insane. Uh, but you can find other brands. You can find stuff on sale, and maybe get lucky. I mean, if you got the money, just go for it, of course. But if not, you know, got to stick to cotton. I, w- I would stay away from synthetics because synthetics stink the worst. Like I know Under Armour uses a lot of different materials, but I had one regular synthetic like Under Armour shirt and that thing would just stink halfway through the day like a real bad, Like, you know, when you smell yourself, it's it's really bad. So I would stay away from synthetics, even though they can be comfortable uh, for travel. Not so good. So yeah I'd recommend sticking to three shirts if you can get two merino shirts and one cotton that's the best you definitely wouldn't want all merino you want one shirt that is kind of like a throwaway shirt uh something you can work in get dirty mess up uh if you're gonna work the marijuana harvest or something like that shirt's gonna stink pretty bad afterwards and you don't want it to be like a 40 50 60 70 dollar t-shirt that you then gotta kind of throw away uh, as far as staying warm and everything I listed is good for all seasons So what I'll do in the coldest time is I'll uh, put on the t-shirt and then the long sleeve shirt then the fleece and then the rain jacket on top of that and Then I'll have the long underwear on jeans on the warm pair of socks put the beanie on and that's kind of full warmth mode, especially if you're walking uh, that's been pretty good for me, even in below freezing temperatures, uh, It seems to work out. When I first started traveling, I had like a full on winter jacket and it takes up a lot of room in your backpack. And especially if you're traveling and you just happen to be in warmer climates for a long time and you can go months and months and months, even a year or more without needing the jacket and it's just kicking around in your backpack. And there is kind of some people who will pick up stuff as they need it. If you've got the money or the the faith that the resources will come, that's one option. But I'd rather just have all the things that I just mentioned because they're good all year round and then layer up and you're good to go. Uh, I'll mention jeans just because a lot of hikers, especially, but other travelers aren't too into jeans because I get it. They're really bulky. (laughs) They take a long time to dry. If you do get them wet. uh, Yeah, if you're hiking, they're not the best. As far as being breathable but I just I just love jeans they're, they're comfortable uh, they kind of blend in anywhere in the world and I like them so if you don't like jeans then you can get something that will be a lot lighter there is a company in the UK called Rohan if that's how it's pronounced R-O-H-A-N and they make this like travel jean they're super expensive uh, I'd love to have them but yeah it's it's like a hundred bucks or something for a pair of jeans but they're made with Denim and sort of a synthetic material, so they're a lot s- smaller than jeans as far as how they pack up and they dry super quick. And that particular pair of jeans has a bunch of secret pockets. To the o- one point, I met a guy and I was telling him about the jeans, and he's like, I'm wearing them right now. And I was like, Oh, cool, it was the first time I saw them in real life. And I was like, So, how's that secret pocket like in the, the front left things? I'd been reading about it, and he didn't even know about it, so that's how good of a secret pocket that was. I, I told him about it. <laughs> and he'd been wearing them for months. so I don't know, if you can afford something crazy like that, go check that out. Um, underwear, three pairs is definitely enough. Underwear and socks are the easiest things to clean in the sink or otherwise. So, yeah, three pairs is kind of a good rotation any more than that and yeah, it's just unnecessary. You should be able to clean your underwear every day or three. Uh, same thing with socks and Socks, three pairs might even be too much, but I kind of have a recency bias because I've been in pretty warm weather lately. So my socks are just taking up space in my backpack for the moment. Uh, then the shoes, the last thing. I only have one pair of footwear. Uh, it's a company called Keen. They make these Newport sandals, which are the ones that I've had basically the whole time I've been traveling. Uh, it's, it's a sandal, but it's got a closed toe. And you can hike in them. I've hiked everywhere. I've hiked all kinds of different places and they're there is perfect. They're great for the river. That's where they're really better than anything else. Because you can just uh, ford over a river. If you're kayaking for the day or rafting or something, it's easy just to go around there and they dry out pretty quick. Uh, They do tend to stink. That is the one negative. But as long as you keep them in the sun, uh, maybe spray them with some alcohol. I'll get to that camping part later. I usually carry around some some alcohol for my stove. You can spray your shoes with that. But they're just awesome. I haven't found or heard of anything better than that. And they're good for every situation except for if you got to go somewhere fancy, like a like a wedding or a club or something like that. Um, but usually if you're getting talked into going to some kind of event like that, it's usually some friend and some friend will hopefully usually have an extra pair of shoes or something for you. And in those cases, at least it's always worked out like that for me. So, yeah, that's pretty much the skinny on clothing. So the next thing would be toiletries, which can be pretty variable. And obviously, I'm a dude and this would be maybe different for a girl and uh, different for everybody. But the first thing I would mention is Dr. Bronner's soap. Every traveler should know about this. My friend in California told me about it and I checked it out. It's uh, a liquid soap. I carry around a little two ounce container. They sell massive ones to like really big bottles of it. And some fancy little grocery store, health food stores will even have it on tap and you can like come in with your own container and fill it up. But what it is, it's kind of like, I call it the Swiss army knife of hygiene. You can use it like regular, you know, body soap. Uh, you can also wash your, your hair with it. It works uh, pretty good. Uh, and then I'll also use it as detergent for washing my clothes in the sink. It works really well for that, too. And you can even brush your teeth with it, uh, and it, it's pretty effective. So I'll sometimes have, like, an extra, like, little one-ounce, two-ounce thing of shampoo or toothpaste just because I come across it and might as well hold on to it. Uh, that can be a bad habit just to sort start pack rat and stuff like that. But uh, if I run out, you know, the Dr. Bronner's is always there for me, and I, I always use it for soap and uh, detergent. So check that out. Comes in a bunch of different scents and flavors. And for the eco hippie folks out there, it's super um, yeah, eco-friendly. So if you're bathing in a river with this stuff, no one, anyone who knows what it is isn't gonna shout at you that like you're polluting the environment because it's just it's good to go. Um, also I use a beard trimmer. I never shave all the way, clean shaven, it's pretty rare. But the the best beard trimmer that I've found. As far as being small and light, but still effective, it's uh, made by Gillette. It's called the Gillette Pro Fusion, I believe. Uh, If you go to hobolifestyle.com and you click the gear tab, a lot of the stuff I'm talking about I have listed there. Uh, And I guess it's good to mention that I am an Amazon affiliate member. So all the Amazon links that you click on hobolifestyle.com or freestyletravelshow.com I do get a commission for. Just so you know, it doesn't cost you anymore, but it's super awesome for me. Get a little chunk of it. But uh, yeah, anyways, go to that gear tab and that and everything else is listed there. If you can find a better beard trimmer than that, that's smaller. Let me know. Uh, I've been using this one for a while and I'm always looking. There are some smaller ones that I've tried that use like triple A batteries and they're about that wide, but they they just don't do the, the trick. It would take forever to shave. Uh, So that beard trimmer does take a double A battery. And this is a cool little thing that's also on that gear page on hobolifestyle.com. It's a double A battery, but the top part of it kind of unhinges and it exposes a male USB port, which you can then plug into almost any phone charger or into your computer and it charges the battery. So it's like a self charging battery kind of. There's no cord that you need for it or one of those little extra box things that you Pop bat- regular rechargeable batteries into. It's a really cool gizmo, uh, and I love it because I don't have to replace AA batteries. I've had just one, that one, for two or three years, and it's still still going strong. I only trim my beard maybe once every month or something like that, so I don't use it a ton, but enough. So check that out too. It's pretty cool. Uh, other than that, as far as toiletries, uh, chopstick it's pretty good. Toothbrush a must. Um, You know, you can cut your toothbrush in half. At one point, I cut just the top part of my toothbrush off and I had this cool little Swiss Army knife that I made. It had no blade and the point of that was to uh, be able to bring it on planes. All it has was the little scissors. I use the scissors to cut my nails way lighter than uh, nail clippers, which is a good idea. And I had a I customized the little thing so it had a pen on it and then there's the only other element that came out of it was a screwdriver thing which I then used a siphon tube that I cut off so I could put the siphon tube and then wedge in this top of the toothbrush (laughs) and uh, kind of use the Swiss Army knife as the handle for the toothbrush kind of nerdy, maybe a little over the top, but I really loved it until finally TSA and Darwin took it from me because they're a bunch of clowns and don't know what they're doing and don't know the rules. (laughs) You can't really argue with TSA. I'd flown with it a bunch of times until they took it. But anyways, that's a toothbrush. Uh, I guess the only other thing would be deodorant. Just get yourself a little travel size deodorant, something like that. I'm sure there's a better solution out there, something like much smaller. Somebody recently just a couple weeks ago gave me this crystal deodorant and I'm only just trying it out. It's weird. It's kind of heavy. I don't know if I'm going to stick with it, but it's so you screw the cap off and it exposes this crystal kind of thing and then you're supposed to run it underwater and then just really quick and then use it like regular deodorant and that's it. And then somehow it makes you not stink. It it, it seems to work, but it is a little heavy. It's strange. I got to keep testing it out, see if I like it or not. But I don't know, maybe just go back to regular deodorant. Uh, Yeah, and then everything, I just throw in a little Ziploc bag, the kind that the airport wants you to have for obvious reasons. Uh, So the next thing would be camping. And the one thing in this section that I think everybody, every traveler should have is the water filter. Just because even if you're not going out through hiking and having to filter, you know, river water and pond water and all that stuff, you still are probably going to other countries where the water's questionable, and those tabs or whatever. Obviously, that's probably the lightest way you can go—iodine tabs. But then you got to replace them, and you might run out. And it also takes a while. You got to stick the tabs in the water and wait, like what, four hours or something. Uh, so there's a water filter also on that gear page on Hobo Lifestyle. It's called the Sawyer, and it's it's getting pretty popular. A lot of people have them. They have a full size and a mini. I'd recommend the mini just because it's smaller and lighter. Some of my friends that are hiking, like the whole Appalachian Trail or PCT, people that are hiking every day for like six months. Uh, some of them prefer the, the bigger one only because it, it pumps water out a lot quicker. Not a lot, but if you're filtering water two, three, four times a day, uh, all those seconds add up. But if you're just traveling and hiking kind of occasionally, go for the mini. It doesn't take up a lot of space and it basically you just fill up a, a bag that it comes with with dirty water. And then you screw this little filter on top and then you just squeeze it through into a clean bottle and clean water. You're good to go. Uh, The rest of the camping stuff, yeah, probably doesn't apply if you're only going to be couch surfing and hosteling and stuff. But if you're really getting out there and traveling and hitchhiking, you know, some nights you're going to get stuck out. And if you're like me, you just like through hiking. You like to find some hundred mile trails, at least here and there. Uh, So you'll want things like a sleeping bag. A sleeping bag basically just sleeping bag in some kind of tent, tarp, or bivy sack. And with that, you have the option of sleeping almost anywhere in the world for free. (laughs) You can find a place It's pretty critical to have. My sleeping bag is a 20 degree Fahrenheit bag, which is just below freezing. I don't know what that is in Celsius, maybe negative five or something. Uh, I like that because basically it has to be pretty damn cold for me to not have the option to camp. and then as far as shelter from the rain, I prefer a bivy sack. Uh, so you might have a tent, especially if you're traveling like in pairs or something. Yeah, maybe like a two person tent will be the lighter way to go. Some people are really into tarps. Uh, the problem with tarps is yeah, it's hard to get lighter than a tarp, but then you probably also need a ground sheet. And then the biggest deal breaker for me comes when you start talking about mosquitoes because all these tarp people then have to have a, a bug bivy And at that point, you're getting heavier and more confusing than just having a regular uh, bivy sack. If you don't know what a bivy sack is, the most basic one is like a sleeping bag. Like a super thin sleeping bag that's waterproof and you slip it over. But uh, there's pulled bivvies that have like some kind of little pole above your head enough to kind of get some more breathing room, feel less claustrophobic, maybe read a book. So Look into bivvies. Uh, There's a couple of them I'll recommend on the, the gear page, Hobo Lifestyle. I've obviously made my own bivy sack. <laughs> Anyone who's, who knows me knows I did a whole Kickstarter for a backpack that turns into a bivy sack. It's super cool. That's what I travel with. Uh, if you're interested, send me a message. I don't know when I'm going to be making more, but I'll keep you in mind for when I do if you are interested. Um, yeah, I also have a cook pot, pretty small, I think it's 0.6 liters of a cook pot. And then I have a cat food tin stove which is kind of like a tuna fish can, but smaller, with a bunch of hole punches in there, and then you can pour some alcohol in there, like rubbing alcohol or better, stronger, not just like vodka or something. Uh, yeah, and it works like a stove. I only use this when I'm through hiking, though. I've never used it when I'm just hitchhiking, camping or at people's places or anything. So if you don't think you're going to be doing intentional through hiking, uh, you can probably do without it. But I like it. I like just having that option, just knowing I can go out into the wilderness and cook my ramen if I want to, make some coffee, and a lot of times I just do it over the fire, anyways. But the the stove thing is so light, it's nice to have just in case. Um, yeah, I have a twenty liter catch all bag. It's waterproof, and that's what I'll store any of my food in. Uh, it's good to have some food in your backpack, even if you are traveling with a bit of money, if you're hitchhiking or otherwise, and you can get caught out. The middle of nowhere you can't eat money. So it's good to have some granola bars and good to have some stuff to cook. If you show up to someone's place, like you don't wanna assume that they can cook for you or something like that. And also if you do wanna randomly go hiking, sometimes I've been hitchhiking and we go by this trailhead and the person give me a ride, like, yeah, there's a sick trail there. It's like it goes forty miles and comes out on this other road and I just want to hop out right there, really, and go hike it. I don't want to have to go fool around and be like, oh, can we run to the grocery store? I need to get some supplies. So it's always cool to have a couple days worth of food in your bag. So I've got that little 20 liter bag and I just throw all my odds and ends in there and it works out pretty well. All right. Next next thing would be electronics, which is going to be totally different for everyone. Some people might have zero So I won't spend too much time on this Uh, phone is the big one that probably most people travel with for obvious reasons, you know, email, maps, you name it, Uh, you know, charger for that. I've got a little, you know, battery power pack. Uh, I think I'll link to some on the gear page, too. They make some that are just almost the size of a credit card, but maybe like five times thicker. Uh, Get one of those and it'll usually charge your phone up at least once or part of the way. It's kind of handy to have. I used to travel with a solar panel for the first year or so, but it was useless. It's pretty useless. It's pretty rare that I'm stationary somewhere in the sun long enough for that to matter. And it, they take a long time to charge anyway, so they're clever. They're cool, but mm, yeah, you can do without those. Uh, I've always traveled with a cigarette lighter uh, charger, but I should probably get rid of that too. Obviously, that's a super small thing. It doesn't make a huge difference weight wise. but most people in cars will have their own little charger and you can plug into that so that works then international plug adapters that's good to have if you're bouncing around continents and countries a lot Um, I'm thinking of making my own custom one I can keep you guys posted on that in the future but there's one set from REI that's pretty good it's all the individual ones I'd recommend just getting all the individual ones instead of like the big universal blocks because they're just huge and obnoxious and Like the UK one is the worst. It's the the most bulky, bulkiest one. And you can actually use the European plug in any of the UK ones. You just got to shove a pencil or a little piece of plastic into the ground and it'll release and you can put that one in. So just consider that. Uh, I've also got earbud headphones for obvious reasons. And I've got a laptop. But if you don't do any programming or video editing or graphic design or anything real kind of specific like that, I would not travel with a laptop. It's just big, bulky. You worry about it, you either worry about it getting stolen or wet or bashing it around. They're heavy, like a three pound laptop is kind of a light laptop, um, but that's it's heavy. That's like three times heavier than my backpack empty. So I'm still doing it. I've got some you know, specific things that I do, but if you're just doing writing, that's one of the big ones that you might have a laptop for. Uh, don't do it instead get a bluetooth like a fold up bluetooth keyboard and i've linked to a couple of those on the hobo lifestyle too and they fold out to the size of a regular size keyboard and then but then they fold up to about similar size to most phones but thicker and they just connect via bluetooth and then you can type like normal and there's a lot of really good ones for less than 50 bucks in fact most of them are closer to 20 sometimes uh, 10 or 15 uh, and they work. There's a lot on Amazon. So I've, I linked to at least a couple on the site that I've used. Uh, you can check those out. Uh, but better to have that than a whole a whole laptop for sure. All right, the last thing is just like odds and ends, random little stuff. If you're hitchhiking, I think in one of the, la- the hitchhiking episode, I might have suggested the fold-up whiteboard. And there's tutorials online for that. If you just uh, Google DIY fold-up whiteboard, some videos will probably pop up. So I usually have one of those. I recently lost it, so I just got to make a new one. And it's basically free to make. If you can just get the paper and the, the masking tape, Just pay for a whiteboard marker, really. And then whiteboard markers, which I didn't lose, still works on cardboard. So that's pretty good. Um, you know, getting real specific, I have a wallet that I made just out of still nylon. I wouldn't have a full bulky wallet if you're traveling. Just try to keep that as, you know, light and simple as possible. Um, I've usually got some, you know, I mentioned food, but I'll usually have spices and some sauces, Taco Bell sauce and maybe some teas and stuff like that in my bag. Uh, I usually have some currency from all over the world. You know, whenever I leave a country, I try to spend like the last penny of that currency. Sometimes I don't and then I just stubbornly hold on to it which is sometimes nice when you come back to the country and you got like three or four bucks of that currency, and that'll kind of keep you afloat for a day or two so you don't have to jump to the first currency exchange or ATM that you find gives yourself a little leeway. Uh, I've got Metro cards from all over the world (laughs) Uh, because some of them cost money just for the card itself, so I just kind of hold on to them. Got them from Atlanta, LA, London, Berlin, I think I got. I know I got a New York one. A little stack of those. A little pack ready, I guess, but... (laughs) Comes in handy when you get to the country and not only do you have the card, but maybe you still have a couple rides left on it. Uh, It's definitely kind of kind of nice. Got my passport, obviously. Um, Yeah, super specific. (laughs) A lot of stuff. Um, I've got a microphone now that I'm talking into and every little thing adds up. Every little thing. So, yeah, that's mostly what I carry. And now uh, just kind of suggest some things that you can get rid of. There are a lot of things that people carry pretty constantly that I see that you don't really need. And like I said, the big thing is clothes. And that's what you start to figure out right away. Most people just bring way too many shirts, multiple pairs of pants, like several hats. Uh, Some maniacs have like five pairs of shoes (laughs) when they first start. You never know what's going to be going on. Full-blown towels. That's always a funny one. Uh, Yeah, you don't need a full-blown towel uh, at all. Um, they make these little microfiber towels which are pretty cool uh, i've gone through a few of those in my travels but they're super clever and they're cool and the, the smallest ones fold up to you know the size of your fist but i realize most of the time when i'm taking a shower i'm like couch surfing someone will lend me a towel um, and when that doesn't happen i can use one of my shirts like like my long sleeve shirt for example i when it's warm, I'm never wearing it. All it's being used for is a, a towel here and there, basically when I need one clean shirt. So that kind of does the trick. So I wouldn't wouldn't worry about that. Uh, hard drives, just use cloud storage. Uh, when I first started traveling, I had two gigantic hard drives the size of like VHS tapes. And yeah, but now you can just store everything on Google Drive or Dropbox. Uh, that makes that a lot easier. And I do get it, especially when you first start traveling, if you're gonna kind of cut off all ties and be an indefinite traveler and not leave anything behind it's it's harder because if you're going to maintain your home it's a little easier you can leave stuff behind you know but if you're leaving for good the little nostalgic things even little trinkets and even clothes you don't really want to throw them away and that happens even after you've been traveling and you kind of realize like this is the stuff that i don't really need but you still have some sort of Uh, value attached to it, or it's expensive, you know, do you just have some, you know, a jacket that's really expensive or nice, and you just don't want to throw it away. So a good trick is to just take everything in your backpack and just lay it on the floor, just everything. Take everything out of its little bag, its little tote bag or whatever, little ditty sacks, just absolutely every single item, uh, lay it all out, and then make a pile of all the stuff that you know you don't want to travel with. And... Some of that stuff will, you know, like I said, be expensive or good or and just keep it in a its own separate little area and then slowly try to gift it off. <laughs> you'll meet people that want it and then at least, you know, it'll have a good home and someone will be enjoying it and you will, you'll feel a little less bad than you would if you just like tossed an $80 pair of shoes in the, the trash can or something like that. Um, yeah, um, other things, oversized multi-tools. Seen people traveling with those. I mean, what do you need pliers for on the road? I don't know. But seen people do it, and those things—they're heavy. Uh, Knives—that's kind of a—it's kind of a tricky one. I don't travel with a knife. I did in the beginning, but I don't really use it that much. I didn't use it that much, I should say. Uh, if I'm going camping now, I'll just grab a little plastic plastic knife if it's just for simple stuff that I need to cut, like food, fruit. That kind of thing. But I did get mugged once while I was hitchhiking. I'll save the whole story for maybe another episode or something. But uh when I did get mugged, it was these three guys I was hitchhiking, and one guy was driving, and then the two guys were kind of like holding me down and trying to get my money and stuff. And I realized then if I had a knife, A, it would have been kinda hard to get to. And B, there were two of them. They probably would have overpowered me taking the knife and who knows, you know, maybe like slice me up a little bit or give me a little poke stab and that would have kind of would have been a bummer so yeah travel with a knife if you want to but it also screws you up at the airport it kind of messes up the whole uh not checking a bag thing it's up to you i know some people will be a little fearful and still want to carry the knife or just want to have it for utility stuff i know my dad and brother if they're listening to this right now they're shaking their heads my brother's probably juggling a butterfly knife around as he's listening so yeah but i i just don't have a knife for those reasons um yeah that's uh that's kind of it that sort of covers everything that i carry and i guess yeah just real quick organizational lies and packing i'll put my sleeping bag at the bottom of my backpack and then i'll put that 20 liter bag i mentioned a uh, waterproof bag with all like any food and little cook pot odds and ends stuff all be in that bag in the middle. And then on top of that will be my bag of clothes and the bag of clothes I use is my pillow. That's another thing. Don't travel with a pillow. You, you don't need it. You can just use your clothes or your sweatshirt. And then on the outside of my backpack and most backpacks is usually like a big external stretchy pocket or something. That's where I put my uh, rain jacket. That's good. You can just reach in there, grab it when it starts raining and you're good to go. You don't have to like dig through your pack. Uh, my backpacks totally waterproof, but um, a lot aren't. So if it's not a uh, pack cover is a good thing to get, or you can just use your bivy or tarp or tent, whatever it is, just uh, kind of practice how you can use that as a pack cover and wrap it around your your bag in a certain way. Uh, I used to do that a lot. When I first lost my pack cover, I started doing that with my bivy and then I'm like, oh, I don't need a pack cover. I can just do this every time. Um, it's another little trick um the backpack itself i wouldn't get over 40 liters volume wise and the smaller your backpack is the less stuff you can pack in it like if you get an 80 liter backpack you'll tend to fill an 80 liter backpack (laughs) with stuff so definitely recommend 40 liters or less uh osprey is a good brand if you're wanting specific brands their exos is pretty good they make an exos 38 exos 48 uh, yeah, there's a lot of good backpacks out there. But yeah, 40 liters. Kind of a good way to go. So yeah, that's packing. Uh, travel light. Be free. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Helps make your uh, backpack a little bit smaller. Should be good. Um, the next episode, I think I'm going to do... I don't know why I just started that sentence. I'm not really sure yet. I'm going <laughs> to figure it out as I go. I do have a uh, two or three people uh waiting in the wings that i'm hoping to interview for sure uh casper i'm gonna talk to him as soon as i can about trust roots and uh, hitchhiking and stuff in general i'm really hoping to get a hold of a, a guy i met in hawaii and talk about bitcoin in relation to traveling i think that'll be really cool when i met him i was asking him a ton of questions and he was super cool and passionate about answering a lot for me and i'm uh, if you don't know a lot about Bitcoin, this would be a cool way to, to learn about it. And me too. I want to learn a little bit more about it and especially how it relates to how you can travel and kind of take advantage of how it works. So that'll be one. And then, yeah, just a couple other uh, friends and people I know that I'm hoping to reach out to. The problem just recently has been uh, Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi has been pretty bad in all the places I've been to in the last week or so. But uh, if I get to a stable spot, I'll do some of those interviews and post it up. That way you're not just hearing just me in these first uh, three, four episodes. So that'll be really cool. Other than that, send me a message anywhere that you want to. Uh, show at gmail.com. If you're on Twitter or Facebook, just look up uh, Freestyle Travel Show. On Twitter, it's just Free Travel Show. They got a little character limit. And Hobolifestyle.com, of course. It's got about a decade worth of stories on there and travel advice. You can always look on there. That's where that ultralight travel article is. If you just want to read some more about that, get super into details. And the last thing I would say is kind of, I'm not officially related to Google. Is that the way to put it? I'm not, yeah, they're not sponsoring me. I have no affiliation with them, but I like to talk about their phone service that I've been using. It's called Google. Project Phi and I have a referral code, which is TDW3EE. And if you use that code and sign up for their phone service as well, you get 20 bucks off, and so do I. So I'm motivated to do that because I like their phone service. It works in 135 countries uh, with no futzing around, no switching SIM cards or anything. It's Yeah, it's just a global phone. It doesn't really care what country you're in, more or less. It's 20 bucks a month, all the calls you want, all the texts you want. I've been really liking it so if you've heard of it or you've been thinking about doing it uh, just use my promo code and save a little bit of money and I'll be stoked too because that'll be most of a bill. TDW 3EE Happy days. I'll catch you all down the road the next episode.